Hi everyone, my name is Lori, and this is my very first podcast. Um, I thought I would start a podcast talking about uh, my experiences uh, working for an animal shelter for the past 29 years. Um, I've never done a podcast before, so this one is probably going to be pretty rough, but I'm going to try the best I can um, to kind of tell you how I came to be an animal shelter worker. Uh, This is something that I have been passionate about since I was a kid. I've always been an animal lover. Um, One of my very first memories is um, (laughs) my family used to go to um, an amusement park every single year. And my dad would say that we could pick out any souvenir that we wanted. And for some reason, I was hell-bent, absolutely hell-bent, on getting an invisible dog. Um, Now, if you were born in the 70s, I'm sure you know what these are. They were typically sold at, like, fairs, amusement parks, that type of thing. And basically, all they were was a harness (laughs) attached to a leash, and they were made like probably with a wire or something so that they were stiff. So you would hold it out as if you're walking an actual dog and it was an invisible dog. I wanted this so badly because, well, I actually wanted an actual dog, but that, that didn't fly. So next best thing, why not? I'll get an invisible dog. Every single year, my dad said, no, he said, nope, not that you, you find something else. So I would pick a different souvenir and you know, all the while really wanting this invisible dog. Now, looking back as an adult, because at the time I didn't understand why he said no, um, I don't think it was much more expensive than what I would have chose. So that probably wasn't it. Now as an adult, I'm thinking it's probably because my dad was looking ahead knowing that I would walk this invisible dog. I would walk the invisible dog a lot and I would look like the crazy kid in the neighborhood. So... I'm pretty sure that was probably why my dad said no, but I remember every year being really bummed out because I really wanted the invisible dog. Um, Now, I probably, as a 50-year-old woman, I probably should ask my dad if he even remembers invisible dogs. Um, I feel like he probably won't (laughs) because I don't think it was as significant to him as it was to me. (laughs) I know it's ridiculous now, but it still makes me laugh. Um... So yeah, every year for Christmas, for my birthday, they would have you or have us um, do our Christmas list. And every year, the very top in huge letters, like highlighted. Well, I don't remember if it was if we had highlighters at that point yet, Um, but I would make it as visible as I could. Dog, I want a dog. In case they didn't know, I want a dog. Did not get a dog. Again, as an adult, I think I kind of understand. My dad knows he and my mom would have been completely responsible for all of the not-so-fun parts that come with owning a dog. Um, Though, I really do think I would have helped out. I I was a pretty, uh, um, pretty responsible kid, especially if it came to pets. Um, But anyhow, I did not get a dog. Um, When I was in maybe about grade two, My sister was on a field trip and they found um, some kittens. It it was um, at like a national park and they found some wild kittens. Um, We ended up with one of those kittens. We had her, we snuck her in. Well, I I didn't. I I was all for it, but my sister snuck her in. And of course, when my dad came home, he said, nope, we're not keeping this cat. 
Um, and we kept her. We had her for 16 years. Her name was Tom. She was not the friendliest cat, but I'll tell you, we loved that cat. And, you know, even though I wanted a dog, that was what I wanted most. I still completely loved Tom, even though she really didn't care about us that much. Um, so back to the animal shelter part. Um, you know, after this, you know, all my deep love for animals in general, um, I remember maybe in, I don't know, grade two or three, you know, around the time when like teachers, you know, will have discussions. Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody had the usual, you know, I want to be a football player and, you know, doctor and stuff like that. And I told my teacher that I wanted to help homeless animals and animals with no families. And she said, oh, you want to be like a veterinarian or, you know, that type of thing or a dog groomer. And I said, no, no, I just, I want to work with animals that don't have families because I want, I want to help them not be scared anymore. And it's funny, all these years later, um, that's what I ended up doing and continue to do. Um, another funny thing that kind of, you know, started me on this path was even though I didn't get a dog, um, there's been a few cases that still stand out in mind. I remember finding a dog, a big German shepherd. I was young, very young. I found this dog. I don't know where I was, how I found it, but the dog came home with me and I was so excited. I'm like, yes, I finally got myself a dog. Like they have to let me keep this dog, right? We loved each other. So somehow my mom probably frantically managed to find the owners of this dog. And I remember thinking, well, they'll still let me keep her, right? You know, like I, I love this dog. So the people showed up, they picked up their dog. I remember sobbing and I still remember to this day that dog's name was Immy. And because she was, they said she was an immigrant dog. She came from the States. So they called her Immy. And I just thought it was the cutest thing ever. And the man, he was an older man. He felt so bad taking his own dog back from me that he came back later and brought me an actual picture of her, um, which I kept. I, I still have it somewhere. I'm sure I still have it in my box of pictures. Um, and, it, you know, I still think of that dog. She was just a really good dog. Maybe that's what started me with my obsession with German Shepherds. I don't know. But I'll never forget that. Emmy, he took my dog. <laughs> and another one that I thought was my dog. Um, was my Auntie Eva's dog, Smokey. Um, Smokey, I, you know, my memory's not great for timelines. It just seems like Smokey was always there, even though he was actually the second dog they had named Smokey. To me, he was the one, right? Um, me and Smokey were absolutely in love. Like, I would come to my, my, uh, Baba's house, Baba and Auntie Eva, and, I would say hi as quick as I could and I would, you know, head right downstairs to see Smokey because in those days, um, you know, a lot of times dogs were actually, you know, your outdoor dog with a dog house, which they did have, but Smokey was a little bit more spoiled than that and they would let him inside. Um, he stayed mostly in the basement, which was, it wasn't a fully finished basement, but it was a nice basement. He slept on a chair. He had it pretty good. Um, they would let him upstairs if it was storming because he was afraid of storms. Um, but other than that, he hung out in the basement and in the backyard, which they had a beautiful, huge yard. 
Um, so Smokey was mine. Everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. This dog loved me. I loved him. Um, my sister, cousin, and I um, would go on. like I, And when we would come over, immediately we were going to go walking. Because that's what you did back then, right? You'd walk to the park, go hang out at the park, go to a different park, that type of thing. And you'd be gone the whole day. So we would show up. My sister and I would show up there. My sister would grab a bottle of pop. My cousin would grab a bag of chips and I would grab Smokey and we'd be gone the whole day. And you know, I think of it now and it's like Smokey was probably a good 75 pound dog. Nobody ever once worried about, you know, if we could control him, you know, would he hurt us? Nothing. He was Smokey. He wasn't going to hurt anybody. Um, so that was, you know, he was basically my dog and he was with us constantly. He was like the fourth person in our little gang. And at a very young age, my sister came up with this brilliant idea that we should have a wedding where me and Smokey get married. And now keep in mind, my sister is four years older than me and my cousin's two years older than me. So, but my sister was generally the mastermind and still, you know, that's just her personality. And she likes to come up with these big elaborate plans. So we had these big plans that we were going to have a wedding in Baba's backyard. So my sister, of course, was the officiant because she, she likes a good speech too. So we spent the morning preparing for this wedding, which included uh, picking a lot of Baba's flowers for this wedding. And it went off without a hitch. It was a beautiful wedding. And I, you know, as an adult now, you know, you're looking back and I'm just picturing Bob and Auntie Eva and possibly my dad looking out the back window and thinking, what the hell are these kids doing? And the dog's just, you know, he's, he's playing his part. He's trotting along down the aisle with me. Like he knew what to do. It's like, no wonder my dad didn't buy me the invisible dog, you know, like why would he? (laughs) So Smokey, that dog is, you know, one that is always like first and foremost in my mind for what the perfect dog would be. And, you know, I always thought they're going to give him to me. He's going to come home with me. He's going to live with me. You know, how could they not? Like he was mine. They never did, which still boggles my mind to this day. Um, But I remember one time, Um, We were leaving, and we didn't live very far from from Baba's house, but we were leaving to go home, and we're driving down this, this, you know, long road to get to our place, and I noticed, oh my God, Smokey's chasing the car, because again, back then, you know, dogs, like at night, sometimes they'd let them out to run the neighborhood. Everybody did that, Um, so Smokey was chasing the car, and I said, Dad, Dad, Smokey's coming, so he stops. And he's getting out of the car, Jesus Christ, this dog, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, that's it. We're going home. He's coming with me. Nope. My dad loaded him up, drove him right back to Baba's. I was devastated. I I could not believe that that dog was not coming home with me that day. But I guess if I look at it this way, he was still mine. He just didn't live with me. I was there enough where, you know, we had shared custody. Let's put it that way. And Auntie Eva knew I loved him. And you know, I really saved her a lot of energy walking that dog. So technically she should have given up to me. Um, when that didn't work out with Smokey, 
I kind of lucked out with one a little bit closer to home. So I, I also had a second dog on top of Smokey. <laughs> um, we had new neighbors move across the street when I was 10 years old. I completely remember this. Um, it was uh, a couple, husband and wife. Um, I don't know how old they would have been, but they didn't have kids. They just bought the house across from us. And I was a very, very like painfully shy kid. So for me to talk to anybody, it took a lot. Well, then one day I noticed they had a puppy. They had a little, little tan puppy. And I plotted for probably a good three days before I finally mustered up the courage to go out when I saw them out there and asked to pet their puppy. Um, I remember like standing at the window, like hiding and watching <laughs> to see when I saw them. And then I like pretended to be casual, like I just happened to be out there. So anyways, I ended up striking up a friendship with these people, Larry and Lois, their names are, and they still live across the street from my parents. So they've been there 40 years now and just the nicest couple ever. And their little puppy's name was Taffy. And I asked them, and again, it took all my courage. I asked them if I could walk Taffy for them and they agreed, which, you know, you look back as an adult and you think, well, yeah, I actually was probably doing them a bit of a favor. <laughs> they both worked full time. You know, they were already adults, like middle age, I would guess. And they had their puppy walked for them. And so I would bring her home nice and tired. She'd nap with them. It was great. Um, and I was happy as hell. Like uh, this dog, I loved her. She was like a, maybe a 20 pound Karen Terrier mix, really sweet dog. And I was just fascinated with the fact that this dog wore sweaters. Um, back in that day, you didn't really see it that much. And our family only really knew bigger dog families, if that makes sense. So I didn't have much to do with small dogs at the time. So I was fascinated by this. I remember showing her off to like friends and, you know, anybody who would let me talk to them about this dog. I would, you know, look at, she has clothes. Um, very sweet dog. And to this day, you know, they, such nice people, very, very good pet owners. They've had, you know, a few smaller dogs over the years. Um, I would, you know, sometimes would go watch them when they went on vacation, that type of thing. Just really nice people. Um, but the most exciting thing was in grade eight. So I would have been 13, maybe. Um, the people I babysat for, the, the wife was really good friends with my mom and her husband, uh, knew somebody who had a litter of puppies and asked if, asked my mom if we wanted a puppy cause they knew I wanted a puppy. I, when I babysat, I hung out with their dog a lot. So obviously, um, but, uh, I don't know how my mom came up with this or why, or what made her decide to do this, but she agreed. And when the puppy we were told was eight weeks old, we snuck her home. So I remember coming home that day and the puppy was there um, when I got home from school. And I remember crying. I was so excited. I, I cried. I named her Brandy and she was a little like a terrier husky mix, 30 pound dog, kind of long legs. So cute. At the time she was just a baby though. Um, they told us eight weeks. We're thinking probably five or six weeks, maybe like she was young. So 
I remember sitting in the backyard hugging my puppy, knowing my dad was going to be home soon. And on one hand, I was nervous because I knew he didn't okay this plan. And I was not a, a person to make waves. I still don't like to do that, especially with my dad. Um, but I knew I, I have to keep this puppy. And I thought, you know, part of me thought he's going to be excited. So he, he comes home, comes walking through the backyard, sees me sitting there. He said, what are you doing? I said, look. And I showed him the puppy. And he took one look at me and he said, that dog goes back. And I sat there bawling. <laughs> the dog didn't go back. We had her for seven years. Um, tragically, she did end up dying. She got hit by a car, which was my first absolute utter heartbreak. Like, I can't even tell you the devastation I felt. Um, that was that was a tough one. And at that time, I had just finished um, hairdressing school. Well, I shouldn't say just. I had finished hairdressing school and I had been working in a salon probably for about a year. Um, when my dog died, I missed three days of work. And the boss at that time, um, apparently I was told after, was making fun of me for taking time off um, because my dog died. Um, I don't care. I never cared. I didn't care. To me, that was family. And anyone who didn't understand that was no friend of mine and she was no friend of mine so I, I took quite a amount of time grieving on that one that was a tough one and my dad came home one day you know because I'm pretty sure he was sticking to the no more pets look at this is how it ends type of thing you know because uh, I was pretty emotional I was a lot to handle after that and he came home one day and I was laying face down on my bed. I would have been probably uh, 20, maybe. And just laying face down on my bed, sobbing. <laughs> my dad comes home. Laura, what's the matter? And I just looked up and I said, I miss my dog while I'm sobbing. And he said, you can get another dog. He said, I want you to call the, go to the Humane Society tomorrow, pick out a dog. Back then, it was a lot different than it is now. So, you know, that you definitely could do that. Um, I'll tell you, that sure perked me up pretty quick. And then I spent the next few days um, calling obsessively. I, I don't think I had a car at that point. I No, I didn't have a car at that point. So I had to keep calling them to see if they had. Because I knew I wanted younger we we still had the cat tom and as scary as she was i didn't want to bring in an older dog and risk that being a problem so we were looking for like a four-month-old five-month-old puppy and of course i wanted like a shepherd type and uh kept calling and calling and calling and one day i finally called and they said yep we have a, a female shepherd puppy that is just available and i said oh my god i freaked out called my mom at work. I had this emergency. said, I need to get to the Humane Society. That This dog is going to go, right? My mom left work early, brought me there to fill out the paperwork, which I did frantically, um, to adopt this puppy. So at the time, there was a 24-hour wait, so I had to wait till the next day um, before I could pick her up. And I remember um, 
working that I had to work half a day and then my brother was going to take me to go get the puppy and it was the longest wait I've ever had in my life it was crazy um, but the time finally came I went and picked her up I named her Tally um, Talia Tomer was her full name and it turns out that I got her a year before I started working at the shelter and it never even occurred to me that I would even be able to get a job there um, and, and it just kind of happened by luck um, I believe I saw an ad in the paper because that's you know back then that's how you found it this was 1994 so I think I had been looking through the paper um, I really didn't like working in a hair salon I still to this day do hair and I'm still licensed but I didn't like working in the salon it was it it wasn't the right salon let's put it that way so I think I was just probably at that point looking for anything to get out of that and stumbled across an ad for part-time work at the, the local Humane Society um, so I applied and ended up getting called for an interview and I remember just freaking out I wanted it so 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 badly and being a shy person I, I probably didn't interview all that well but the cards were kind of stacked against me because I go in for this interview and the assistant manager was doing it and he was a big tall very um, odd slash intense slash intimidating person um, to me because I was you know younger I was really shy um, he brought me into the interview room which was a small office <laughs> sat across the desk from me with his feet up smoking because back then you could smoke in buildings which just seems crazy to me now but he was smoking during the interview <coughs> excuse me and his one big question was what do you think of euthanasia now being a 21 year old I don't know how to answer that especially being a 21 year old who's so sensitive and could cry at the drop of a hat I really didn't think I would handle it <laughs> so I didn't know how to answer it and I remember just saying to him pretty well exactly that I said I really don't know I said I've never experienced being around that so I don't know how I would handle it and he gave me the indication that that was the wrong answer that I screwed up <laughs> and then his other big question was have you ever punched a time clock and to me that still is the strangest question ever because yes I had I had worked at three previous jobs part-time obviously and there were time clocks at all three but all three time clocks were different so how was that it he made it seem like a make-or-break question so that one I just said yeah I have but aren't they all different and he just kind of sighed like you know I can't deal with this girl um, and I remember him telling me that he really didn't think I would do a good job there because I was quote-unquote just a hairdresser um, with no qualifications so I left there very discouraged and you know thinking well I didn't get this job and I was right I actually didn't get the job he did not hire me and I believe he actually even called and told me that if I if I remember correctly but I didn't get the job 
But funny, if anything is, three months down the road, I got a call and he said, this is so-and-so in the Humane Society you interviewed with me. And I said, yep. And uh, he said, are you still interested in the job? And I was totally taken off guard. And I said, um, uh, yeah. What had turned, what had happened was they had hired somebody also named Lori. <laughs> um, and she just didn't show up for like three shifts in a row. Just didn't show up. So that's how I got the job. And I had the impression the entire time that I worked there with him that he just didn't like me. He just did not like me. Um, and at the time when I very first started, there was only, um, two part-timers and then the other girl, um, left not too long after I started. So I was the only one for a little bit. And then like about a year after I was hired, um, they hired one of my coworkers who actually just retired. Um, and then there was just the two of us as part-timers, but initially, um, it was me and the one other girl. And the funny thing is that assistant manager who basically didn't think I was going to amount to anything at the shelter, he is no longer there and he hasn't been there for many, many, many years. Actually, I think he was only there the first year I was. And then he left. I don't even know where he went, but I'm still there 29 years later. And now that all my original co-workers have retired, I am the last original worker. So it's, it's kind of ironic that this, you know, person who was just a hairdresser is still there, is still working for the cause. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a long winded, lengthy, um, intro to how I ended up at an animal shelter. Um, and I guess this is probably the best time to kind of stop and leave the rest of the story for future episodes. Um, so that's my intro that kind of gives you the idea why I'm here and I look forward to telling the rest of my stories. Thanks for listening.